All we could hear in the background right now is Brendan <laughs> swirling his glass of wine. of wine. To be um, transparent, Justin and I are not drinking alcohol during this recording, but Bre- Brendan is just an audience member. Audience member, enjoying my glass of red, excited for this kumia char that you guys deliver while you sit here inside. To be honest, I don't think anyone's going to be able to hear anything you just said, That's so we're good. Perfect. <laughs> Ambient noise. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Mixed Bag, episode 19, the podcast where we talk about all things going on in women's golf. I'm Abby Liebenthal, founder and president of For the Ladies, and as always, I am joined by Justin Cruz. It's an honor to be here once again in person, where we do our best work. We have a live studio audience, (laughs) and I am looking forward to episode 19. Who would have thought we'd make it this far? I know, it's pretty awesome. Um... The people want it, so Obviously, you know we're going to give it to them. Last night, by our former uh, fill-in advisor Sarah Hutchu, with just a barrage of text messages, <laughs> commentary, questions, commentary, concerns, questions, opinions. <laughs> so this one's for you. Sarah. Yes. <laughs> um, how are you doing? Like, have you played golf? Yeah, I mean, I was playing up till. What, today is November 21st, and I played a week ago, week and a half ago, so probably about the 10th. It was 75 degrees and sunny here in beautiful Toledo, Ohio, God's country. And um, the last few days, it's been freezing, but we're going to stretch the days here with some sun in the 50s. If Thanksgiving golf interests you, it is going to be... available here in the greater Toledo, Northwest Ohio area. So that's what's happening with me. Nice. Um, But yeah, my golf season is pretty much officially shut down. I have the frostbite open on December 10th, a three-person scramble that plays regardless of temperature. That's going to be freezing. It wasn't supposed to be fun. That's true. (laughs) Um, What did I do? I played... Two weekends ago with uh, my friends Kristen and Alan at Tobacco Road, which was great. Um, Mike Strands design. Have you been there? No. No, we should go next time you guys come down. Um, it's really fun. I would highly recommend it to anybody coming down for a Pinehurst trip and looking to get off property. It's only like 25 minutes away. Um and it's super fun. But since we last chatted, we have had um, three winners, four winners, sorry, and two of the wins were from Lydia Ko. Uh, the first one being the BMW Ladies Championship, and then that was won by Lydia Ko. Then the Toto Japan Classic um, won by Gemma Dryberg, and then the Pelican Women's Championship won by Nellie Corda, and of course the CME won by Lydia. Um Any comments, questions, concerns about those events? A unique array of champions. Lydia Ko really had a great year. That really helped solidify her great year. Gemma Drybar, a new champion, um, longtime player, and then Nellie Corder kind of getting back to form. I said this last year. I'm a big fan of this Pelican women's event. I think the golf course is in great condition, had decent coverage on Golf Channel. I think it's an event that's continuing to kind of elevate itself. Seems to be a good spot on the schedule right before the CME and after the kind of Asian swing that was somewhat modified. So 
Not a lot to say about the BMW or the Toto. It's tough to watch golf when it's on in the middle of the night. I know. Yeah. And I mean, something of interest with the Toto with Gemma Dryberg's win. She became the 11th Rolex first time winner of the season. And last time you you and I connected, we were at 10 first time winners, um, which is obviously exciting and showcases new talent. But at the same time, when you have so many different winners on tour, it's hard to like get excited about one person in particular. Um but awesome win for her, um, and she has been on the tour, on other tours for some time, and, and is certainly a name that, like, if you know women's golf, you kind of know who Gemma is, which is fun. And then I thought Nellie's win was awesome. Um, she was certainly emotional starting her year with the blood clot and being out of commission for a bit. Um, so I, it was cool for her to win back-to-back there. Totally agree. Yeah. I think, like you talked about um, – sport in general people like to follow success like to follow teams that win a lot they can get a lot of notoriety when your top players win and win often so you wrap up your season with Lydia Ko winning twice and Nellie Corder getting back in the winner's circle it's all good news for women's golf yeah um Michelle Wee was on the No Laying Up podcast today when today's Monday the 21st um and they did a nice recap of the CME and asked her about, I, I can't remember what specifically, but it came up that, you know, there is, hasn't been like a dominant person on the LPGA this year. I mean, Lydia Ko could be close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and Michelle made a funny comment. She was like, you know, Tiger Woods set up like a very unrealistic standard, very that, so. but like we can't help but try to have somebody else in the game who's going to win week after right. week. <laughs> but so did Annika. Yeah. So did Lorena. There's been a lot of that over the years where a dominant person comes in, wins a ton, gets a lot of publicity, and all of a sudden they win six, seven, eight times in a season. And this year you had Jennifer Cupcho win three times and Lydia win three times. It's pretty but good. Lydia also had 14 top 10, so her Shit. consistency – was very impressive. And I like her so much, so she's a great person to have. She is very honest and very refreshing. And despite her being famous for almost, you know, 10 years, she seems to have a great disposition and appears outwardly to be very down to earth, which is great to see. Yeah. Well, with that, we let's just get into the CME. Um, the CME Group Tour Championship was this week. Um Lydia Ko won. It was her 19th career victory, and she received a $2 million check, which is the biggest in women's golf for the winner. I know we we talked, of course, a lot about the U.S. Women's Open and that being the biggest purse in women's golf, but that winner got $1.8 million. So um, cool to see. It's great. Good to see more money in the game, um, in the women's game. And uh, with the win, she also became the Rolex Player of the Year for the second time in her career, and she was – also player of the year in 2015 when she was a baby. She like talked about how um, the last time there was a photo of her with the CME win, it was like when she wore her big black rimmed glasses and like had a, you know, her funny toothy smile. So she was very happy to have an updated photo. <laughs> a little more stylish now with her Lululemon and stuff than the glasses. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, Brendan likes the Lululemon. <laughs> Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> um, she also won the Vare Trophy for the second consecutive season and um, her the second time in her career. And that trophy is um, awarded to the person who records the lowest scoring average. And hers was 68.988 for the season. That is not mine. That's a that's golf well played at its highest level. 
Yes. And then last but not least, kind of like with this win, she has 25 points toward induction into the LPGA Hall of Fame. And that puts her just two points shy of earning entry into it. And you could argue about like, does she really need to have that? Like, has she earned a spot in the Hall of Fame? Well, what the the one caveat is what you have to play for X number of years beyond just getting to the 27 points. Is it? I'm pretty sure. I think we talked about this. With Lorraine Ochoa and Christy Kerr. We're, of course, going to have good radio right now. So, yeah, you know, in terms ahead. of who is the next person to get into the LPGA Hall of Fame and what do the points um, equate to. But as a refresher, you get one point for a victory. I believe it's two points for a major. You get a point for the Vair Trophy. You might get a point for Player of the Year. I'm not 100% sure yep, on that. Yeah, you do. So and one that's, point that's for, me off the top of my head. So well, we've looked. I've done the research now. Okay. <laughs> one point for an Olympic gold medal. Okay. Um, which Nelly received. Mm-hmm. Um, Hall of Fame committee can also induct select individuals out through the honorary category. Is a major two points? Was I right I about that one? It didn't say that. It, it just says that you like must have is. won or been awarded at least an LPGA major, the Vera Trophy, or Rolex Player of the Year. And accumulated a total of 27 points. Lydia has 25. Oh, here we go. One for each LPGA official tournament, two for majors, one for the Bear Trophy or Rolex Player of the Year. So, yeah, you were right. Good job. Very proud of myself. That was nicely done. You were (laughs) well-researched. Well-informed, as always. (laughs) Right, totally. Um, I mean, it's great. She's only 25. No, it's a good event. Um, Whatever you think or feel about Tiburon as a golf course, um, in the Naples area, it is public. You can play it. It's at a resort, but it had a great leaderboard. And I think that speaks to the quality of the event, the quality of the field. It also had a diverse leaderboard with Lydia Co winning three Europeans right there in contention, Brooke Henderson playing well again. So it, it produced a lot of good content. Mm-hmm. Leona McGuire, personal fan favorite of mine, yep. got into the mix shooting 63 on Saturday. Couldn't quite bring it home on Sunday, but a very consistent, strong year for her. Yeah, She continues to ascend. And funny enough, Leona McGuire is 27, and Lydia Ko, who's oh. been around forever, is just 25 years old. So I know, the nuances of the women's game, when you have someone that starts that young versus someone that goes four years in college and takes a little while to kind of get the ball rolling. Yeah. It's um it's all good names at the top of the game, which is right. really fun exactly. as well. Um what else did I have? Oh, in her in her post round interview, she said it was her last win as a single lady, which just loved to hear her say. Um she said it with like her little sass, which was cute. Um and it was the first time her fiance was there to see her win. And I don't nice. think he's naturally like he's not someone in golf. No. Uh, I, think, I think, I mean, they play and he started to play, but he's not someone that he, she met no. necessarily through golf, which is cool too. Yeah. They were like pen pals for six months. <laughs> pen pals. Uh, yeah. Whatever you want to call that, which I, which, okay. So when I have a friend who is on a dating app and the guy just like keeps messaging her on the app, but doesn't ask her out, she calls him a pen pal. 
Interesting. Yeah, like because he'll just like keep typing on the app, and be like, "How's it going? What are you doing?" And she's like, "Are you gonna like ask me out?" Is that and- like when you send like too many consecutive texts to someone without a response? Oh, like when we try to talk to Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> but that's usually we don't know where he is, right? Um. So yes, pen pals. Well, I wonder what her definition of pen pal would that's be. Maybe that's it. Um. So I don't know. Is there anything else? I'm trying to think. On, on no, CME. I mean. I think it's... I thought Leona was maybe going to win. Yes. I mean, the coverage on network TV on yep. Sunday on NBC is great. You know, there was no real coverage on Saturday besides Peacock. Right. You know, we live in a world where everybody streams. That's not a deal breaker. No. But I think if you're, you know, interested in women's golf, but watching college football or whatever it might have been on Saturday, it's a lot easier to toggle back and forth on cable or youtube tv than to go in and out of various apps so yeah i get it i don't know why sometimes you know certain pga tour events or champions tour events take precedent um especially this week with the rsm on the pga tour yeah it's a lousy event with a lousy field the you know dp world tour championship was done very early in the morning with the time difference it just seemed like maybe there was a better workaround to get at least some golf channel coverage that was um, live on Saturday, not on tape. But again, there's restrictions. You're playing in November in Florida. It's dark at five o'clock. Right. My biggest complaint is more like, how do you look at the overall professional golf schedule and how do you prioritize which events should be on your main right. golf channel which is the golf right. channel and yeah. as we know with the event that's in toledo there's nuances to this a lot of the lpj events are paying to be on and to be televised where the pga tour is a partner tour if you will of, of, golf, channel. The, of golf channel and similar i think with the dp world tour yep and frankly the dp world tour takes up nice time in the morning in a lot of their events which doesn't really fit here domestically. So I agree. This event with the field it has at the year-end event with the Persker, with the amount of money going to the champion, feels like it should have been better prioritized over the RSM, but you're kind of being a dead horse with that. And I understand Yes, the politics and, involved. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, as long as you can find the golf live on something, then yes. like I... I don't really have a ton of complaints. No, no. And I'm not like complaining about Peacock as a platform sure. or anything like that. It, it has its merit. It's better than nothing. If every LPJ event that wasn't on Golf Channel was on Peacock, that would be a great success. But I'm just saying for the casual fan or as you're trying to grow your fan base, it's not necessarily the best vehicle to deliver that. All right. Well... That's that on the CME. That's that. <laughs> I don't really have anything else. I mean, it was a good event. It was a good event. Yeah. What would you have ranked it if we were still doing Justin rankings? Um, gosh, on the one to ten figure skating scale, with Lydia Co winning, TV coverage is fair. Gets a little bit of weight lifted because of network TV on Sunday. Um, golf course is okay. It's Florida golf. I'd say it's like a. 7.9 fine 8.1 it's a fine solid good event could it be better yes but it checks a lot of good boxes and the boxes that it doesn't check that are good are not that bad 
Right. Fine. Um, well, for our like end of the year kind of review, I don't think we're going to break down every tournament. But that I seems did, like it would be a lot. I, you know, I the shotgun start like does that, and it's like four <laughs> episodes long. And I do find it hysterical, but I don't feel the need to do that. The thing too is <laughs> the golf season is so long. It's you so think long. about like just looking at our notes, the the Chevron Championship, the Jennifer Cupcho one. That's was that in Feb? Is that March? Yeah, or February. I mean, I mean, it's early. It's yeah, for, it's and Q1. I know it's moving to May. But right. These events are forever ago. I mean, forever ago. We indeed. were together at the Women's Open, and that feels like it was forever ago. Right. Yeah. Chevron's in March, yeah. end of March, but still. Um. But wanted to at least kind of bring up, I guess, that our champions of majors this year. Um. You know, we have the Chevron Championship, like you said, Jennifer Cup show. She also won three times this year. U.S. Women's Open presented by Promatica, Minji Lee. She also won two times this year. Um, KPMG Women's PGA Championship, Inji Chun, who also finished runner-up at the AIG Women's Open. And then the Evian, Brooke Henderson won, won two times this year. And then AIG Women's Open, kind of our, like, you know, star um, newcomer to major championships was Ashley Buhai. Um, and she won in a playoff, right? Yeah, Look a at playoff. Sue. Uh, was it Inji Chun? Was it Inji Chun? I th- yes. Oh, obviously. We're finished runner-up. Yeah. Um, Look at the notes. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Send help. Um, I don't know. Really good ma- major champions yeah. this year. I think when you break these down, there's a lot to take away from each major championship. Jennifer won the last Mission Hills, yep. Chevron, Dinosaur, ANA, whatever you want to call it. Good storyline. Minji goes to a, a venue... In Pine Needles, it is, has a rich tradition in women's golf mm-hmm. with the biggest person women's golf, playing the best leading into it, and she wins. Inji Chun wins at Congressional, the renovated, brand-new Congressional, iconic clubhouse. Brooke Henderson, the Evian might lose a little bit of as an event in a golf course, yeah. but Brooke winning elevates that event. And then Ashley Buhai, who maybe or is probably the least known of all the major champions wins at an iconic venue in Muirfield. So a lot to take away from each major championship, each unique in its own set and own parameters. And next year we'll bring, you know, similar drama with unique venues, new venues. So I think it's, it was a really good major championship season Uh, players that, you know, have familiar names, players that, kind of get the proverbial monkey off their back or haven't won a major in a while. So I think it brought a lot to the table in my book. I'm ready for Lydia Ko to win another major. Well, Lydia Ko, I'd love Indy Park towards the end of her career to win another major. Oh, that would be nice. You know, Jessica Corder to win a major. I think there's a lot of players out there that, not that they fade away because they're still prominent players, but players that you'd like to see, kind of like a Jennifer Cup show did, take that next Oh, yeah. step in their career and also like be relevant more weeks of the year correct um the i remember with ashley buhai's one because isn't she from south africa yes and then paula rito won um yes. like two weeks later so right that was kind of cool yeah, to she see. went right before the event here in toledo yeah um well overall good major champions i'm excited for next year again the all of the venues keep elevating 
um, the stature of these major championships um, and aligning them on with the men's side, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, like tournament breakdown, I think it was 25 different winners and 11 first-time winners, um, which is great, cool, like more names. And I, it was obviously good to have repeat wins just so, to create that sense of consistency um, and people at the top. But yeah. Totally agree. I thought it was fine. Well summarized. Yeah, right. Like, I don't have anything else to say about it. <laughs> to be fair, like, I I think that since the season is so long, my interest ends up, like, ebbing and flowing <laughs> throughout well, the year. And we've talked about this, too. Just look at how we struggle to figure out when we're going to do a podcast recording. I know. Because you have stretches where there's three events in five weeks. And then there's maybe, you know, a week off and another week. And then there's four events in four weeks, you know, towards the end of the summer and into the early fall. And then there's more additional gaps. And, I, you know, in the, and we talked about this a little bit. We'll get to this later. But the schedule next year mm-hmm. pre- presents some similar, I know. you know, ebbs and flows. Right. Um, which, like, frustrates me because um, we can – talk about it I guess more in our mailbag questions we can save this for later but like people that surprised you winners trends and stuff um mm-hmm. so we'll get to that but that that was the problem is like there would be somebody I was really excited about who won and then I was like oh well now we're off for like three weeks right I am um, so anyway for our news segment I'm awards this year we talked about this player of the year bar trophy Lydia Co. um rookie of the year was um Ataya Thidakul. And I remember when we did like our That's predictions. Isn't it? Yes. Good job. Yes, I said it would be Ataya Thidakul because she it was the highest ranked rookie going into the season. It wasn't that hot of a projection and she had even a better year than I think anyone would have thought of. So winning two times, 16 top tens, heck of a player, heck of a season. Finishes second on the CME points list. Good job. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> I I remember I chose um, Hanako Shibuno, and you were so angry right. about it because you're like, she's won a major, right. but she was a but rookie see, on this, the LPGA. Right, but this gets to why you trying to cheat in picking <laughs> didn't pay off because did not. she did not have that. She was 36th on the points list, a very fine season, but pales in comparison to my selection. Well, award season was not really surprising. Um, yeah. Made sense. Um, aside from that, U.S. Women's Open locations were announced, which we kind of chuckle at because they're so far away from now. Right. But um, still exciting. The um, LACC, Los Angeles Country Club, will host the 2032 U.S. Women's Open. Um, and then Chicago Golf Club will be the host site um, in 2033. So if you're a junior golfer, though, right now, like stellar lineup for you. It's all and it's only getting better. Yeah. But what I mean, what does golf look like in 10, 20 years? That's the the most interesting thing with the USGA pushing these assignments out. And the other thing too that I've heard mentioned is, you know, there are new golf courses being built, new facilities being built, renovations that are, you know, scheduled to take place. Yeah. There's very few openings on the schedule. So right. if something great opens, you know, the, the PGA is opening a facility in Frisco, Texas. If that ends up being as great as they believe it is, is that a, a venue where you say, gosh, I wish we didn't have to wait 
10, 15 more years to come back here for a major championship. It's just interesting. And to see just how courses evolve, clubs evolve, you know, club appetite for tournaments evolves. Yeah. You're assigning events to a club 15, 20 years away. You have no idea what that looks like operationally, you know, maintenance wise, anything. So sure. I just always find it interesting. Plus you think about, gosh, how old will I be when it's at, you know, LACC? I don't think about that. <laughs> I, I will be very old. Um, I, my like devil's advocate to it is more like these it's nice to know that these places have committed to it because that means that they're going to like financially commit to it, whether it's like renovations, restorations, um, obviously with the anchor sites. And we heard this a lot when like USGA announced Pinehurst and the Oakmont and Marion and all mm-hmm. of those is like, they're going to invest in those areas sure. too. So I see both sides do it for sure. But I mean, yeah, it does make you like chuckle a little mm-hmm. cause you're just like, Oh my God, I'm going to be this old. I, right. Again, I don't think about it cause I'm like, Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> Um, so aside from that, our last news piece is that the international crown field is final. And, um, that is in 2023 at TPC Harding Park, um, in May. Um, for those who don't know what that is, it's a match play competition, um, that showcases the best female golfers across the globe. And it is, um, teams of four from each country. Yes. And the, the countries that will be represented are the U.S., um, the Republic of Korea, Japan, Sweden, Thailand, England, Australia, and China and South Africa. Um, or no, not South Africa. South Africa just missed on qualifying, which made me think of um, Ashley and Paula. Um, mm-hmm. No Lydia Ko in that lineup. Yeah. No. Which <laughs> is like, it, it's just kind of what you get right. um, no, from something like, like right. this. Um, they the rankings were determined by the women's world golf rankings. Yeah, top four players from each country as of today, um, following the CME. Um, and I, I'm excited for this event. Good venue. Yeah, Colin Morikawa won a PGA there a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Tigers played there. They had a Presidents Cup, I believe, at that facility. So a lot of history on the golf side. Had a For the Ladies intro to golf clinic there. What more could you ask for? <laughs> There's probably a photo of that in their in their grill room next to Tiger, next Definitely. to Tiger and Colin. Definitely. Um, but no, a good event. Everybody likes team events. It's a limited field event. That's fine. There's a fine. lot of that, yeah. unfortunately, on the LPGA tour right now, and some of it you just at the mercy of scheduling facilities. It is what it is, but. Especially in the first half of the year, when you look at the schedule, mm-hmm. you know there seems to be quite a few limited field events. If you're a rookie or someone that's just is getting their tour status, it makes it tough to uh, make hay. Well, great segue to talk about the 2023 schedule. Um, you and I went back and forth a little bit the day that this mm-hmm. launched. Um, overall, like it's fine. It's just very. It gets very heavy, and like we were saying earlier, it really ebbs and flows because you have, like, one, the first tournament is in January, and that's only for people who won this year in 2022. And then we go overseas, and like, you know, if you, like you were just saying, if you're a rookie on tour, like, this could, it could be your first time playing in, at the end of March. Well, right, and I'm not sure what the status or if the fields in Thailand, Singapore, and China are full field events 
I presume some of them are. Right. But again, depending on your status, you have a tournament of champions in January. You have three Asian events. And then you get all the way here to March, the end of March, before you have your first full field domestic event in Arizona. Again, then you have a little West Coast swing, including an event in Hawaii, and then you have a major. Not everyone's going to be in that major. You you know, you hope you are. So I I think the the schedule just kind of gets away from you. If you're a young player and you don't get in maybe any of the, the three Asian events or don't play well, then you have, you know, a couple events, two or three events in California, a major, the international crown, you know, then there's a match play coming up. All of a sudden it's June and you've maybe only played a handful of times. Right, right. And then, you know, moving on into the summer, we have um, back-to-back major yeah. championships. I mean, there's, there's a week off in between, but to me, when you look at the schedule and you highlight events, courses, etc., the you know KPMG at Baltus Roll, another historic venue, going to be awesome. You know, major champions. Jack Nicholas is one there, and then a week off, and you have the Women's Open at Pebble Beach, a huge highlight. It's just it's unfortunate that the way the major championship schedules unfold, that it just is very congested um, with with the scheduling. That you know, there's not a tournament in between. Or more spacing in between for probably what are your two best events, two of your biggest purse events, yep, and probably your best two facilities. Yeah. So I don't know. I was talking to somebody and she said, you know, it is it it could be interesting if somebody like gets hot during that time and like, hey, when it's back to back majors, um, do we think people are gonna show up to the Greater Toledo LPGA classic? The week after the women's open. The only thing that's interesting about that, again, you're going to have a major championship, a week off, mm-hmm. a major championship, the most limiting probably in the women's open, just based on qualifying of major championships. And then you're going to have, which is also in California, mind you, and then a tournament in Toledo. Again, getting back to younger players, players trying to keep their season together. You're going to have a month potentially between events if you're not in the KPMG Women's PGA or you don't qualify for the Women's Open. That Toledo event all of a sudden becomes an event you got to highlight on your schedule. And then the next week is the uh, the Dow uh, two-player event just up the road in Midland. So there is an opportunity for players to get starts to – you know, boost their status, boost their season. They're still giving out points and money at all these events. But then you turn around and right after Dow is you know, Evian and then yeah. kind of the European schedule. So also, if you're I, not a fully exempt player, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to play well when you, and it's like that in a lot of cases, but you're going to have to play well when you get your opportunities because yeah. they could be few and far between. I'm also confused. So I'm looking at the LPGA social media graphic of the tournament schedule and they put the majors in red, right? Okay. So like the Chevron, KPMG Women's PGA, US Women's Open, AIG, but they didn't put the Evian in red. <laughs> Maybe because it's a co-sanctioned event with the LET. I don't know. I don't know, but like what? 
Yeah. I just, I maybe, I'm sure it was not by, on, like, by design, but it's just funny. It's like, it's already the awkward stepchild of the majors. It is interesting. And again, though, you know, next year is a Solheim Cup year. So you have Solheim kind of middle end of September. Yep. And, you know, the PGA Tour, other tours are wrapping up their season. You're going to have a, there's a big stretch of events after the Solheim. Which is so, how we felt. Right. Which is how we kind of felt year, this yes. year. So, it's just very interesting how the schedule we talk about ebbs and flows, breaks and doesn't break, where certain players will have a very regimented, normal schedule and certain players based either on, hey, I'm not in the international crown or I'm not in the match play or I didn't qualify for the women's open are going to have some Or my country's big, not in the Solheim Cup. Or my country's, I don't live in Europe or So like Lydia Cole, essentially. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and that's a good point. Like, okay, just look at the schedule. Say Lydia Cole plays in Canada in the end of August at the women CP Women's Open. Probably doesn't play in Portland. Probably doesn't play in Cincinnati. Isn't eligible for the Solheim Cup. So the next time you see her potentially is over a month later in Arkansas. Yeah. Again, th- there's nothing you can do about some of these things, but when you've got limited fields of limited field events, multiple Asian swing events, and you have to go where the sponsors and the money are, it just makes it difficult to create a lot of continuity and to, to build a schedule, especially if you're not one of the star players. Right. Right. Um, Oh, aside from that, um, notice that they are not returning to Carlsbad um, and like San Diego area. Yeah, but they're back at Wilshire, which is one of the better venues. It's a new event, but a similar event or the same venue um, for the JM Eagle LA Championship at Wilshire. Uh, Always enjoy seeing that course on television. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, it is right after the Chevron, but hopefully because of the golf course, they get a good uh, a good turnout. And then also funny that there are four events in New Jersey. And of course, that's because of like the major championship being there and then Michelle's event um, at Liberty National. With the AJGA. With the AJGA, which will be really fun. Um, right. They're having juniors play in that event alongside the LPGA Tour players, which is great for the American Junior Golf Association um, as well. But cool that Michelle is, you know, turning into this direction of now hosting. Hey, a, a late spring, early summer run of uh, Jersey, Vegas, <laughs> Jersey, Jersey, Michigan, Back to New Jersey. The thing no one really asked for, but we're getting yeah. anyway. Our four tournaments <laughs> in New Jersey. So you want like a seven-week run of New Jersey golf? <laughs> Not necessarily at the finest golf courses in the fine state of New Jersey, but you're going to get it whether you want it or not. That's a lot of New Jersey. Yes. Um, Do you think a lot yeah. of people – are gonna? I mean, I always am interested. Like, I think that match. I'm I'm happy that the match play at Shadow Creek has a better event or has a better spot on the schedule. Yes, there's not an event before it. Finally, and the event after it is in New Jersey, obviously, <laughs> at, at Liberty National, and that's but, when people are gonna play in because but, it's Michelle. Right. That that will get a good feel. I just think the match play should be a real showcase event, even though the purse isn't huge, but again, there's only, you know, 60 some players. Yeah. 
But the golf course is sweet. It's in Vegas. Hopefully this year that event takes a step up. Because, It'll help that it's not on right. right before the women's open. And if not, you can just stay in New Jersey for a month. Get a nice little Airbnb on the shore. <laughs> yeah, if you're not invited to the Bank of Hope, right. you might as well right. just hang. Right. Um, any other comments? No, I think we've hit, hit up the schedule pretty yeah. good. I mean, Solheim year, we're actually going to get back-to-back Solheim years because they want to get off the Ryder Cup schedule. Yeah. Which... I, I don't, I don't know if it really matters. Under, I don't know if it first the Ryder Cup is so big, I don't know if it matters. Yeah. One. And they're always gonna have President's Cup. Two, I think the way it was when the Solheim Cup was here and then it was before the Ryder Cup, I think it all builds momentum for yep. US first Europe team golf. It's kind of like, hey, we're gonna have these two marquee events in the span of a month and it, it, I I understand maybe it's TV pressure, but I don't think I, it matters. I think it, it doesn't probably really matter. And to me, why not latch on to the biggest event in golf in a small way? Hey, yeah. this summer is a Ryder Cup Solheim summer or fall. Right. I think it's yeah. I know I, I, it doesn't just, make any sense. To me. I think you're you're running from something. Let's be honest. A lot of people watch the Ryder Cup that would never watch the Solheim, that don't watch really much of any other golf to begin with. Right. And they watch the Ryder Cup. Why not try to grab some of that? Right. I know. But it looks beautiful this year. Solheim's going to be in Spain. I mean, credit. It does sound like it's not easy to get to. Not a lot of places to stay. (laughs) So good luck if you want to go. Good luck to everyone that's going, but it looks like it's amazing. (laughs) Um, well, that leads us into one of our mailbag questions. Thank you for those who mm-hmm. sent them in. This one was from, I don't, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, but Noose um, of Spain. She asked, how are the Solheim Cup teams looking right now? And um, they're, you know, looking strong on the U.S. side. Um, we have Lexi in the number one spot. Number two is Nellie. Three, Danielle Kang. Four, Jennifer Cupshow. Five, Lilia Vu, which is exciting. Six, Andrea Lee, also would be a new hummer. Um, seven, Megan Kang. Eight, Jessica Corda. Nine, Allison Lee, um, who was on the Solheim Cup a long time ago. And ten, Marina Alex. So strong women's uh, yeah. U.S. team, which would be Similar cool. to last year, very strong and yeah. very experienced at the top. Need to kind of see who comes along to backfill yeah. some of those spots. You look down the line, you know, Allie Ewing's down there, Mina Harrigay, who was on the yep. the team last year, Brittany Altamore. So some players you leave me know that were on it that are, you know, way down the standings, but a win, a top ten, things like that go a long way, especially when the the, the points matter more the year of. But I also think, too, just from a competitive balance standpoint, I yeah. do think Europe continues to get stronger yes. in there. You know, Leona McGuire, Charlie Hall, Georgia Hall, Anna Nordquist, Celine Boudier all had very, very solid seasons. Yep. Nana Kurtz Madsen won on tour earlier this year. So I think they're getting a little more balance and a little bit more depth, which is good for the event. Yep. So right now in the one and two spots, because it's, they take L.E.T. Solheim oh, Cup yeah. points first. So those would be um, Maya Stark and Lynn Grant, which right. would be cool. Lynn Grant right. Awesome. New awesome. younger players. Yep. Um, and then all the names you just listed, I, I think, are, were there and um, are in those top. For them, it's the top eight spots and then mm-hmm. four players selected by the 
European Solheim Cup team captain, um, which is Suzanne Patterson. Um, and I think the person that asked this question is from Spain. So perfect. Excited for, for Team Europe. They'll it, probably it, be there. Yes. Yes. The, that will be the one person we know at the Solheim Cup. Um, all right. So aside from that, um, Sarah asked in her barrage of questions, um, what were you surprised about this year, winter trends or anything in particular? I would say no. with five majors, no player won two of them. I thought when Minji won in Pine Needles, the way she was playing, that she would probably rattle off another one in that summer. Her game, you know, fell off just a little. It was, you know, like anything, it's hard to maintain such a high level. So I would say no dominant player this year as compared to the last few years and no double major winner. Yeah, the double major winner thing sticks out to me. Um, Aside from that, like not a whole lot really surprises me, to be honest. I was pleasantly surprised, I suppose, by – some of the winners that we haven't heard from in a bit, um, Marina Alex, who last won in Portland, won in California this year. Um, I'm a big Andrea Lee fan, and she captured her um, LPG for her first LPJ Tour victory at the Amazing Creek Portland Classic, where Marina won previously. Um, and then Ataya Thitakul, I, I think that she was a pleasant surprise, not surprise, but just, it was nice to see her kind of uphold, you know, we, there was a lot of um, hype for her and she kind of, I felt like she lived up to it. She got to number one at one point. Right. I think too, just the length of the season creates, you know, you forget yeah, certain players that won certain things that happen. And that's all, you know, just attributed to, you know, Gabby Lopez won an event this year. Charlie Hall won an event this year. You know, NASA won an event this year. You know, Daniel Kang won the kickoff event last Which year. Which so, did I mean, last year, right? These, you just kind of lose sight of where it is because of just recency biased. Yeah, yeah. We definitely had an interesting mix there um, in the, the period of time. Um in September and beyond, mm-hmm. which it, we just, you know, you get different winners, Gabby Lopez, Ellie Ewing, right. Andrea Lee. Like that's where the shuffle kind, kind of, of like a redemption run there, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, validation. And, well, and I'm curious like how and when certain players peak and like just how that works. Cause right. so many of these were after all the majors ended. Right. So also, it's very true. Um, our last question is what are we looking forward to in 2023? I think nothing. <laughs> obviously the women's open at Pebbles an easy one. I don't think the major schedule mm-hmm. as a whole is quite as good uh, as it was this year. Obviously, pine needles to pebbles an upgrade. Yep. We don't know what the Texas course is gonna look like for Chevron. Right. Um Baltus roll and congressional's probably gonna be a wash. Why do you think it's a wash? I'm just saying in terms of like they're both highly elevated. Yeah, congressional so there's and no, yeah, yeah, there's no downgrade. Yeah. Um, I do think just sort of going to Muirfield to a non-traditional links course for the Open Championship is a bit yeah. of a downgrade. So maybe that kind of swings yeah. the momentum a little bit. But I would say the Women's Open at Pebble and then obviously Solheim Cup with Europe mm-hmm. off the win in the U.S. Yeah. It's very exciting. I always feel like a soul. I like. I know we just talked about how they got off the um, Ryder Cup years, but it is always exciting, right? Um, 
that when they're Solheim Cup, it just gives us like a thread to talk about something throughout the year too, which Correct. I can always appreciate. Um, I the club at Carlton Woods. I think I've actually been there for an AJGA event, um, and it's it's good. I'm I'm, I'm sure it's I'm very really nice. interested to see with how Houston it plays. money. I'm sure it's a very yeah. very nice club, and they will run a first class event. The event I'm most excited for is Michelle's Mizuho America's Open at Liberty National Golf Club. Aside from the majors, um, I just I'm curious to see like how the coverage of that goes. Um, especially with the juniors playing, like, I, is it going to be like, um, oh gosh, what is it? Like the pure first tee with the champions tour? Oh, yeah. Is it going to be like that, that kind of vibe? Or, um, I think, I, I think a lot of players are going to show up for it, which I think is always a good thing. Yep. I'll be curious what else she does surrounding that, that event. Um, cool venue. Yeah. A lot of events played there. Yeah. Um, President's cup, lots of FedEx cup events. So. Yeah, really good. I mean, and you know, well, I should try to come to town for the Great Toledo LPGA class. Oh, I won't be in town. I will be in Scotland. It's missing out. I will have to run the coverage again as I did this year. <laughs> you did a great job, though. Right? Now, see, now I'm sad because I won't get to play the pro am. I got to find somebody to invite me to the pro am. That's always tough to do. <laughs> we need to swing our way into like another random pro am. Maybe that's a good goal for 2023. That's a great goal. You know a lot more people than I do. I know. What should I, I'm aware. <laughs> what should I? We got to start leveraging that. I know. We need what's it, one of the New Jersey ones. Right. They're going to run out of people in New Jersey to play. Yeah, there we go. But there, it's going to have to be a donation for the ladies. Yeah. Um yeah, no, a lot of a lot of exciting things for 2023. Um and I think the ebbs and flows will actually like make it fun for her, for us to have stuff to talk about. Exactly. Um any personal golf highlight of the year? I was thinking about this when you sent out the agenda. I think for me I got to go back to Scotland to play. Yep. So it'd been a few years because of COVID, got to go with my dad, which was cool. Um see a lot of buddies that I've become friends with when the first time we went. Played a couple golf courses we hadn't played. I think the highlight for me was playing at North Barrick where Katrina Matthew grew up playing and through some relationships that we developed during the Solheim Cup. Her husband, Caddy's out there. So her husband, Graham, was my um, caddy for the day. And I played great. It was an awesome venue, a true bucket list course, and the hospitality was great. So that was kind of my personal golf highlight of the year what about yourself uh mine was banned dunes getting to just get out there for the first time and then also play with um an awesome group of women who stuck it out we had horrible weather um <laughs> and everyone played and had a good time and like sucked it up and we all knew like this is a bucket list trip so sure. like, let's make the most of it um so and you know for me it, it was cool to see for the ladies like taken to a place such as bandon yeah. um you know hosting with Pinehurst from the very first year has opened a ton of doors for, for the ladies. And uh, I definitely saw that come to light with Bandon Dunes. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Justin. Thanks, Abigail. Uh, we'll have to do, <laughs> I don't know when we'll chat again. We'll have to maybe figure we'll have to that out. Maybe we'll come up with some sort of, maybe after the first January event, we'll do some sort of a season preview or something. I think that's lines. what we should do. We'll do some research, more. make some picks and predictions. Oh, we have to do our picks and, and predictions. Should it go wrong, we'll we'll. Yes. We'll jot those down in a, an Excel file or something we won't lose. I know, because I don't know. 
Right. I, I think once you know. realized how terrible your picks were going and how great mine were, I stopped you just deleted track. I probably did. I was like, see you later. <laughs> um, I will now I'm curious if I found it. Well, I'll share it if I do find it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, if you've made it this far to the podcast, we have exciting announcements on our events this year. I'm announcing later this week the the first for the ladies golf getaway of the year and how and when to sign up for it. Um, as well as just some things we've got coming up for 2023. So thanks for all of your support. And thanks, Justin, for doing this. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.